Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I don't know about you, but I am excited to get back to our game week grind. After Chicago's bye week, it's time to buckle up the chin straps and get back to work. So to kick off our week seven preview, I sat down with Alex Salas of All Saints Considered, who explained everything that we need to know from his perspective on the New Orleans Saints. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and meet the 2019 Saints. Thanks for joining me today, Alec. I know our listeners, they're excited to learn more about the Saints as we prepare for what should be a very good Week 7 matchup between our two teams. I'm glad to have you on. How have you been? Uh, great, you know, and of course, thanks for having me on today. It's a real honor to uh, uh, be talking about all, all things Saints-Bears, so I'm looking forward to it. It should be a great game. All right, well, I'm going to just jump in. I have a few questions about your offense to uh, start this episode. And obviously, uh, Drew Brees, he's not really expected to play this week. And it's been Teddy Bridgewater uh, running the show in his place. And I've seen some decent things out of Bridgewater. He's completing about 70% of his passes. He has seven touchdowns to only two interceptions on the year. So, Alec, what I want to know is what's Teddy doing well? What are his limitations for himself in this offense? And again, I'm just kind of looking for an overall assessment of how Teddy Bridgewater has fared under center. Yeah, you know, it's it's really weird because I think Saints fans, and including myself, never really expected, of all people, Drew Brees to get hurt, right? And then to have mm-hmm. the backup come in. Um, but with Teddy and what he's done, Sean Payton has really, I think, limited the offense in a sense of, you know, Teddy's going to go out there and make throws, and he's not going to cost us the game, meaning little to no turnovers, which we've seen. Um, the two picks uh, both came off of tip passes that were completely his fault. So, you know, Teddy's done a really good job in this offense managing it. Uh, and we saw a couple of weeks ago in Tampa uh, in a Superdome where he really kind of just let it all out. And, you know, that kind of is Teddy's limitation is, 
you know, Teddy is not going to be the guy who takes a lot of deep chances on the deep balls, but he can. Um, and with that, he, he does hesitate and tend to hold, hold on to the ball for a little too long. But that's really that's really the only limitation I've seen so far with Teddy Bridgewater is just that, you know, in the plays that they're deep down the field, he holds on to the ball, you know, a little too long, and which results in a lot of sacks, uh, which he's taken quite a few hits uh, during his time so far. But, um, yeah, Teddy's a guy who's going to, you know, go out there play quarterback and not cost you a game. He'll make some, he'll make some good throws. Uh, and some questionable ones, but that's, that's just the growing pains of playing with a young quarterback, especially a guy like Teddy who really hasn't played, you know, you know, the last two years before this year because of the knee right. injury. So they're just, they're just growing pains that you're going to expect. And, um, look, with Sean Payton there, we know what he can do as a play caller, so he's going to get the most out of Teddy uh, as a quarterback. As a fan, do you feel like you've taken Drew Brees for granted? I mean, you guys had quite some stability <laughs> at the position, so I'm sure it's weird having anything less than what usually he offers. Uh, yeah, because, you know, there were a couple throws uh, in the Jacksonville game in particular where, you know, man, you know, touch, those could have been big plays and big throws and touchdowns even. So um, I think we have been a little spoiled and treated to good as far as quarterback play for the last, you know, 10-plus years with Drew Brees. So it's and we're winning the games differently now, leaning more towards the defense and the running game. But it's just you know we do take Drew for granted um, and what he does, and you know. So it's a little different, but um, you know as long as we win games, I think that's the only thing that really matters right now uh, for the fans. But yeah, I, I, I would agree 100. percent I think we've taken. A little too much, a little too spoiled. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. A little jealous here in Chicago <laughs> uh, with our quarterback situation that never seems to stop. But moving on. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. To the Saints' backfield, Alvin Kamara, obviously he's the threat here. Uh, he's been nursing a, looks like a slightly significant ankle injury, so we don't know his status mm-hmm. until later in this week. Uh, but obviously he's that dual threat. We've all known what he can bring to the table. And then you have Latavius Murray. He's been sprinkled in as well, and he does have the same yards per carry as a Camara with a 4.3. So I just want to know, Alec, uh, what should Bears fans know about both of your running backs heading into this game? Well, I think you know the one thing you got to know is what. Yes, Alvin Kamara is dealing with a you know pretty significant ankle injury. Uh, he's expected to be limited all week and then give it a go come game time. Uh, and we know what Alvin Kamara does, right? He's a all-around feature back. He can do everything for this offense. Um, and I'm I'm just going to expect a lot more Latavius Murray in this game. And with Latavius, um, he's kind of that same value back as Mark Ingram was uh, when he was with the Saints. Uh, he's a really good inside between the tackles type runner. Uh, he could take it to the outside. Also, he is very underrated as far as the pass catching game goes. He could take a pass um, and make and make the most out of nothing. So, uh, really, look on the road in Soldier Field. We know how it is uh, playing in Soldier Field. So, I expect a lot more ground and pound in this game with the Saints, whether it is whether it's with Alvin Kamara or uh, with David Turner. But these are both two very 
talented backs that Sean Payne and Lexi can implement early and often with all sorts of uh, screenplays. And, you know, and with Sean, you never, you never really know what you're going to get. Uh, I mean, he has Jason Hill doing everything, and he's a third-string quarterback. So, um, yeah, but I expect, I expect a lot of Kamara and Murray, but I, I a lot more, a little more uh, leading on the Murray side. All right, well, looking at your receivers, obviously Michael Thomas, uh, he's the player to pay attention here in the passing game. He's averaging 105 receiving yards per contest. Uh, he has more catches than anyone else on the Saints has targets, uh, and he is the NFL's second most productive receiver so far this year. Uh, so for fans who maybe don't get a lot uh, to see a lot of Michael Thomas, maybe besides maybe fantasy teams, uh, what makes mm-hmm. Thomas so dangerous? Well, um, I think there's a lot of things that make Michael Thomas dangerous, to be honest. Um, but I think the the, the things that make that make him stand out from the others is you know, his route running uh, and his footwork off the line is incredible. Um, he runs some of the cleanest, crisp routes that I've seen. Also, the fact that you know his Twitter handle is he can't guard Mike, and I feel like that is true because he makes so many contested throws. Uh, I'm sorry, sets of catches um, and just makes all these ridiculous catches against uh, some of the best DBs in the NFL. And you look look at his production from when Breeze got hurt and then when Teddy took over. It has not dipped one bit. He's still out there proving uh, that even without a quarterback like Drew Breeze, he can still put up numbers with anyone. Um, and that's just what he is. He's a guy who you can throw it up to him, and you know he can he'll he'll do whatever he can to come down with the football. So. Um, you can't guard Mike. <laughs> it's true. It's quite true, honestly. He can make all the catches, uh, really good route running, and really good feet work. Is there anything that we should know about the other contributors on offense, like a Ted Ginn Jr. and uh, tight end Jared Cook? Have they been overly involved? It doesn't seem like it volume-wise, but I'm sure their impact has been felt every week. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, I think if you go back to the Tampa Buccaneer game, uh, when matched up against uh, smaller DBs, uh, Sean Payne really tried to get Jared Cook out there more as a wide receiver, uh, whether it was outside or in the slot. Um, and, you know, that can very well be the game plan again, uh, going up against a player like Prince of Mukamara. Um, that could be a guy who could match up on Jared Cook, depending where they move him around. But really, other than the Jared Cook, Teg has been a couple of nice plays. Really, it's just been a two-man show offensively between Kamara and Thomas. So, somebody's going to need to make a play or two, but we'll see what happens. Now, with what I can gather, looking at the Saints off and off into line, they've been a pretty decent job overall this year as a unit. But I'm curious, uh, can you give us the scoop here? Is the entire unit solid, or do you have a potential you know weak point up front that the Bears can potentially exploit? Yeah, you know, if you look across his offensive line, uh, rookie center Eric McCoy, the second-round pick out of Texas A&M, has really stood out and played so much better than I think people expected this year. He kind of came in and filled right in. Filled in for Max Unger almost immediately. He became the day one starter. He's been phenomenal. Um, Ryan Ranchek, who has been collecting names left and right, has been the NFL's best right tackle. Um, and can really just do it all from an offensive lineman perspective. Uh, Larry Larry Warfield is a two-time Pro Bowler since he joined the Saints two years ago. Uh, of course, we know what Toronto Tron, can do when he's fully healthy. If I had to pick a weak point, it would be uh, left guard Andrews Pete. 
And I say that because he's not the most athletic lineman. He does get beat inside fairly easy. Um, and if I had to pick a weak point on the offensive line, it would be that left guard spot where Pete is at. But he's still a very good above-average starter. Now, as good as the offense has been, uh, they do tend to keep a lot of points off the board uh, due to some I'd call below-average red zone play. Uh, sixth worst mm-hmm. in the NFL in the red zone. Only scoring touchdown on about 44% of those trips uh, inside the 20. So can you tell us what's behind these red zone struggles? Um, I think it's I think it has more to do with just Sean adjusting to how Teddy plays because with Drew, um, you know, with Drew, you're basically with Drew, your whole playbook is open, right? You can call whatever you want, or Drew can audible in and out of whatever he uh, whatever he wants. It feels like it's going to be the best play possible. With Teddy, you got to get slower. You got to limit some of the plays, um, and also let's not forget uh, now that Teddy Bridgewater is a starter, Taysom Hill is the primary backup which means uh, the plays that Hill has, uh, those also are limited because Taysom Hill does a lot of things uh, as a blocker, a runner, and a receiver. So uh, you take those out of the playbook because they can't risk hurting uh, Taysom Hill. So, uh, And, you know, again, with Teddy, Teddy does things differently than Drew. He, you know, there's two different quarterbacks. Um, and Sean has to limit the playbook just because he doesn't know it all like Drew does. So, uh, it's been it's it's been frustrating to say the least. But if you have Will Lutz on your fantasy team, then hey, <laughs> I mean <laughs> you're loving you're loving it, right? But yeah, it's just it contributing to you know different quarterback play, and also they have to live on Taysom Hill in the red zone because he can't play as much as the number two. So it takes a good portion of the plays out uh, in the red zone. All right, let's switch over to your defense, and let's begin with that defensive front. Edge guys like Cameron Jordan and Marcus Davenport, uh, they've been able to leave their mark with over eight sacks and 60 combined pressures on quarterbacks this year. Why have they been so successful? And, you know, that's the thing. You know, we we knew we were going to get out of Cameron Jordan, right? He's also a really good starter, one of the best uh, defensive ends in football. Flipping over to Davenport now. Now, this is the guy that the Saints traded up last year for, and they even traded away this year's first-round pick to acquire him. Um, and I know the sack numbers, you know, I believe he has three right now, uh, which those are, that's good numbers. But if you look at the pressures that Davenport has had this year, uh, it's a set that – it's the, the thing – the, excuse me. The things that don't show up on the stat line is what stands out with Marcus Davenport. He's getting pressure. He's getting up through the quarterback's face. Um, he's really taking that next step to be, into becoming a just a freak athletic defensive end uh, in the NFL. So uh, between those two guys uh, and the guys in the interior, this is a really good front four and probably the best. Also, it's the best front four they've had and the most. Uh, most it's well very deep in, in talent uh on the defensive line so it's a really good front four really good depth um and it's the best they've had here in a long time down in new orleans now i want to know what kind of year has linebacker demario davis been having i saw that big hit uh last week in jacksonville but he's also the leading tackler on the team so what does davis provide to this defense I um, mean, there's a lot of good things that DeMar Davis brings to the team. I'll say right now, he's probably been the probably the best free agent signing we've had probably since 
Darren Sproles, maybe 2011. And if you want to oh, go wow. further than that, <laughs> if you want to go further than that, uh, you know, they traded for Jonathan Vilma um, in 08. So really, he's been a standout player. He's been the absolute leader of this defense. He stepped up uh, as far as the leadership role is concerned uh, with Breeze out. He stepped in uh, and kind of taken over the pregame huddle. And what he brings. He's just an athletic linebacker. He can go sideline to sideline. He's all over the place. Um, he's a really good blitzer. He's a really good pass coverage. He kind of just does it all for the defense. Um, and he's a really good player. Uh, very underrated, I think, in what he brings to the table. And he just, oof, it's something about Saints and, and Jet linebackers. Because he reminds me a lot of Jonathan Vilma in his prime. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I love Jet linebackers. <laughs> to say the least, but um, really good player, very good all-around player. Uh, Alec, would you be able to give us like the lay of the land for the Saints secondary? It appears to be a pretty decent unit with guys like Marcus Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, Eli Apple, and Von Bell. So I want to know, when you look at the secondary so far this season, what have been the strengths and also the weaknesses of this unit? Well, you know, and again, five years ago, if you told me the Saints were going to have a good secondary, I would have laughed because... <laughs> Um, they have not always had. They've actually they've always had one of the worst in the NFL. So, uh, starting off with Marshall Lattimore, who I think is right now entering the best part of his career. Uh, he shut down Amari Cooper on Sunday Night Football three weeks ago. He shut down Mike Evans two weeks ago, and last week shut down DJ Chalk of the Jaguars. He's on a roll right now, and I expect him to continue it. Uh, he just he's really taking the next step as far as the premier shutdown corner in the NFL. And a guy who's also having a very good year that no one is talking about is Eli Apple at number two. He's been very good. Um, and even when Lattimore struggled a little bit earlier this year, Eli Apple has been consistently good all year so far. Um, and it gives the Saints a really good two-man corner uh, on the outside. It really does. Um, and you look at the safeties of Von Bell, who I think really has taken the next step into being really good safety in the NFL. Uh, when he came in in 2016, he was more of a box safety and a blitzing kind of safety kind of guy. Uh, but really this series, he's taking the next step as far as being a, a really good pa- uh, pass-covered safety and playing the deep ball. And he can actually play deep now. He's become an all-around good player. And Marcus Williams, we know what happened in Minnesota a couple years ago, right? And last year kind of eh, you know, took maybe a, a, back, a backward step, if mm-hmm. you can say. Uh, this year is also a really good start. Two picks. Uh, had a couple of nice pass breakups against the Jaguars last week. And maybe it looks like he's found his confidence again, you know, um, and his ability to be that ball hawk safety. We saw his rookie year before the Minnesota game. And, you know, the weakness of the secondary is going to be the nickel spot. P.J. Williams, who was our starter, is suspended for the next two games without pay um, due to a substance abuse. Which I believe goes back to his DWI he got during this uh, after the NFC title game. I believe that's where that is coming from. Uh, so that means likely either Patrick Robinson, who is the veteran, uh, he was with the Eagles two years ago, helped them win the Super Bowl, came back to New Orleans. He was a former first round draft pick. Either him or Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the rookie, uh, will get the start in the nickel. Uh, one of those two will get. One of them will get the start. And I expect that to be kind of the weakness per se. Um, okay. But still, all around, it's still all around a very good secondary. Uh, uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens. 
Now, I talked about your offense in the red zone, so I have to bring it up with the defense because when I'm looking at the Saints this week, I see some inconsistency uh, down in the red zone. They're allowing touchdowns on 60% of the trips this year, and that's near the bottom of the league. But then I see what they did against Jacksonville, and they didn't allow a single touchdown in the red zone despite allowing two different trips. So what did they do well last week that you hope kind of carries over? Well, you know, I think that just carries with the confidence the secondary has, really, because uh, Marshall Lattimore was locked, pretty much locked out in DJ Chalk the whole game. Uh, they had Eli Apple lined up on D.D. Westbrook most of the game, and he kind of followed him and trailed him and kind of locked him out of the well. And then when you can do that and have two safeties over the top, kind of just free-roaming, um, and look where the quarterback is going with the ball, it really just gives you that flexibility to kind of just find the ball in that sense. So, because um, the defensive line was good last week, but it wasn't as good as we've seen against Dallas or uh, Tampa, per se. But I think the secondary last week really stood out to me. Uh, and kind of, and the thing is, they the Saints make Gardner Minshew try and beat them with his uh, with his arm and throwing the ball, and he couldn't. Um, so I think that was the key to the victory last week, in particular, such a good defensive performance uh, was by that secondary. All right. Now, obviously, uh, we've been talking a lot about the Saints' offense and defense, Obviously, and you're the expert on this team. Is there anything else that you think that our listeners would benefit from uh, learning more about when it comes to the Saints? Because, obviously, I'd love to learn more, and I'm sure they would too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, I think the game plan this week is going to be kind of the same thing. Um, last week against Jacksonville, to whereas whether it's Chase Daniel or Mr. Bisky, I think the Saints are going to rush four uh, with their front four and get the pressure on Mitch and try and shut down the run game first and make Trubisky beat them with his arm and or Daniel, uh, whichever one, whoever is playing quarterback, and we'll see what happens there. But um, I'm expecting another very good defensive game between these, between these two teams. It's going to be a low score game to say the least. Um, but I expect the Saints to to shut the run game down and make Trubisky beat him with his arm. Um, and we'll see if he can do that or not. All right, so I just have one final question. It's a two-parter. It's how I end every Meet the Opponent episode. Uh, the first part of this question is, why will the Saints win? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that already. Let's keep it up. That's, that's assuming you think I'm going to think the Saints are going to win this game, right? Well, um, yes. <laughs> well, you know, this would be a very tough game. No question about that. The Bears are still a very good team. Matt Nagy is a very good coach. Um, if the Saints do win this game, it's going to be because of their defense. Um, and like I said, I think they're going to try and make Trubisky, if he's playing, um, they're going to try and make Mitch beat him with his arm. And, you know, through the first couple of weeks, Mitch didn't look all that, you know, impressive uh, passing the ball. So I think that will be the reason why is because the secondary locks down the receivers and tries to make Trubisky uh, force throws and beat him with his arm, and I just don't know if he can do that. All right, and now here's the flip side. Maybe this one's easier for you. Uh, what's it going to take for the Saints to end up losing this game? <laughs> um, the easy answer is going to be cool, Mac, right? Sure, <laughs> I can get that, behind that. That, that. Yeah, that is the easy answer, but... um. You know, and again, I think the game plan for the Bears will probably be almost identical to the Saints as far as let's let's clamp down the run game here, 
um, and make the Saints one-dimensional, make Teddy, make Teddy Bridgewater beat us with his arm and make him make those precise throws. Um, and I think that's, that's what, that is what the Bears are going to do. I think that could be a key to their victory as well because look at the secondary for the Bears. It's a very good secondary. Uh, it was Namukamara, uh, Kyle Fuller, Hawk Lindix, and um, Eddie Jackson. So I think the game plan, again, is very similar for the Bears. Uh, to shut down the run game, make the Saints one-dimensional, and make Teddy beat him with, uh, with his arm. And on the road, in an outside uh, like field, I might add, not like in a dome, but like in an outside field, uh, I just don't know if Teddy can make those throws in that kind of environment. So yeah, both teams should just copy each other's game plans defensively because <laughs> – going to be one of those kind of games i think <laughs> all right well hey alec i mean that's all i have for you today i want to again thank you for the time that you took to hop on our show i appreciate it our listeners appreciate it and i'm sure we all appreciate your lack of confidence uh, heading into this week <laughs> all right that'll do it bears fans i hope that you enjoyed alec's insight on the new orleans saints up next is our weekly preview episode as Nick and I will take a look at how the Bears stack up in all three phases and much more, including our weekly predictions. And you better bet we're going to have a discussion on the two big names that landed on IR this week. But until then, Bear Down Chicago.